Won't you high five at least two neighbors before you take your seat? Say welcome to church. Everybody online, very welcome. Facebook, YouTube, church online. Everybody joining us live. Even those of you that'll be watching this message at the latest stage, welcome. I believe that God wants to change your life tonight. Come on, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen and amen. Are you ready for church tonight, friends? Come on, what an incredible privilege just to praise Jesus together. I'm so excited about tonight. I have just so enjoyed spending time with God throughout this week and run up to tonight. And I believe what God wants to give tonight will liberate us. I don't want you to be silent tonight. As you came into church, you would have seen there's no sign out says that says silence church. Still the kerk. So please, you can be loud. If something happens within you as I preach, say amen. If you don't quite agree with what I'm saying, say hey, amen. It sounds the same from this, from this angle right here. It's just gonna make me preach even better. I'm so passionate about what God wants to share with you tonight. As I've prayed in this week, I, I, I became more and more aware how many people, and I look back on my life and seasons of my life, and I've been there many a times where people reach that place, especially regarding finances that we will be speaking about tonight, where people become hopeless. It's like we, 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 we reach that place where we feel like I've done everything that I know to do, I've tried everything that I know to try, but it's like I'm not seeing breakthrough in my finances. I'm not seeing what the Bible says is promised to me as the believer. I'm not seeing that in my life. I'm not sure if there's anybody like that here tonight. It's like four holy ones. Okay, have you ever been there in your life where you feel like there's something about God's provision, His intention for me, the abundance in which I'm supposed to walk that I'm not seeing. And I believe that God wants to give us a design, a part of His blueprint tonight. It's gonna be impossible for me, said to Cornet earlier this afternoon, there's so much that I could share tonight. And, and, and I've just asked God, give me the wisdom to know what to share. But I believe that in what God wants to share tonight, He will liberate you empower you, strengthen you. Some of you need hope again to walk out of this place and say, you know what, it is gonna be okay. I will not be subjected to that spirit of poverty in my life. I will not be held captive by whatever restraining force there is in my life. I can live my life in a wide open space. I can live my life in God's provision. I can live my life in the blessing and in the favor of God. Come on, is there anybody here? Okay. For a moment, I thought I was at the wrong church, but I'm clearly at the right one tonight. So I wanna read you a scripture, Acts chapter number two. If you've got a Bible, otherwise, we'll pop it on the screen for you, Acts chapter number two. And I'm gonna be reading from verse 42. I've preached on this passage of scripture many a times in my life. I've heard many people preach on this. And normally when we preach on this, it's, it's, it's actually apt for where we find ourselves as a church. Everybody here would agree that what God's been doing in Empower over the last couple of weeks is not normal. We all sense there's this shift, there's this move into something new, this change of season. This is where the disciples found themselves, the early church. They just saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, we can, let's call it um, for the sake of modern terminology, they just saw revival broke out. Thousands of people coming to Christ men and women going through the waters of baptism, an incredible move of God. 
So much of that we've seen in this church, not just over the last couple of weeks, but actually if we look back over the last couple of years, even in a season of COVID, we have seen this church being revived to new places. Come on. We've seen more people join this church, more people getting saved, baptized, and delivered than what we've ever seen in the history of this church. God's doing incredible things. And listen to this. This, is, this sort of encapsulates the, just the, the culture in which they found themselves. It says, and they continued steadfastly, verse 42. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Four things that it mentioned. I don't wanna jump in there tonight, but that's the four basic keys to a discipled life. The apostles' doctrine, the word of the Lord, fellowship, then it speaks about breaking of bread. It, it doesn't refer there to communion. It speaks about depth of relationship. Back in the day, if you invited somebody to break bread with you, you said, I invite you into friendship. There's this invitation to a depth of relationship that's taking place in the body of Christ. And prayer it speaks about the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, they came, it, it says, fear came upon every soul. Some translations say, reverence came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Listen to this. All who believed, all who believed were together. Not just in church on a Sunday. They were together and they had all things in common. It says they sold their possessions and goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. Powerful scripture right there. Some translation says, and no one had need. Can you imagine that the church can be at a place where we can all say, not one of us have need. I'm not sure if I'm at the right church though. Come on. That none of us would say, I have need. There was a culture being created in that church of divine, godly provision. And we're gonna speak about that tonight. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Say with me, favor. favor. It's the favor of God upon our lives that attracts that divine provision. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved as I read that passage of scripture in this week the Lord said to me Eric that is still my desire for my church that no one will have need <laughs> oh, friends it's like half of you that's excited about that God doesn't want his people to live in lack where the title of this message comes from. No more shortage, no more lack, no more need. God doesn't want you to live in lack. God has provided, and I'll show that to you tonight, God has provided everything you need for life and godliness. Look to your neighbor, say neighbor. I have everything I need for life and godliness. Come on. So I wanna share with you five keys. I, 
to be honest with you, like I said, this was my biggest struggle in this week because I think it's been such a real journey for Gunai and myself and our family over many years, journeying through um, the understanding of God's heart around provision. When we started off in ministry, let me tell you, we knew nothing about any of what I'm gonna preach tonight. We were schooled through the school of the Holy Spirit. We made many mistakes. We did many foolish things, but we always had a heart to say, God, there's something around finances, around money, around giving that we need to understand. God, show us your heart. And looking back, it's been an incredible journey. Our God has opened up specific things throughout the year. And what I wanna to share tonight is not just our experience. Some of this has been things that has been a real experience for us. But these are truths from God's word. And I wanna ask you tonight, if you would allow me that I can speak boldly about money. I'm just gonna try this side. Can I speak boldly about money tonight? Okay, online. Online, Facebook, YouTube, would that be okay? Can I just speak about money tonight? Because most of the times when we speak about money, it's especially in churches, then everybody gets a bit stiff. I'm also knackies tracks you in. And I just wanna say from the beginning, just, I just wanna throw it out there. I'm not speaking about money tonight for my sake. And I'm not speaking about money tonight for the church's sake. I'm speaking about money tonight for your sake. And it's, it's my prayer that as, as I share the word of the Lord with you tonight, that God will, will work in your heart, that He will reveal to you His intentions for your life, His blueprint around money and finances, giving, generosity, that you will understand what He sees, how He sees it, and what He wants you to apply in your life, that you will walk out of this place liberated, that you will look back and you will say, as I can look back on key moments in my life and say, that night at Empowered Church, something forever changed in my life when it comes to finances. God, I pray that God will give you hope tonight. You will know that you do not have to subject yourself to a spirit of poverty. You do not have to subject yourself to just having enough, but that you will see tonight that God's heart for you has always been that your cup will overflow. Why? Because there's others that needs to drink from your life as well. Come on. <laughs> Blessed to be a blessing. So are we ready, church? I wanna say again, everybody online in the church, if you know somebody that's finding themselves in a difficult space when it comes to finances currently, tag them, send them a WhatsApp, say, hey, Dude, watch this message. It's gonna change your life. Share the word with others. Let it liberate them as well. As it's liberated me, as it will liberate us tonight. Is that right? So I wanna share with you five things. They might turn into like seven. I don't know. We might end up at nine and just go home like 10 tonight. I don't know. But I wanna share with you. It's like seven of you that's excited. I wanna share with you five things that the Lord has prompted in my heart to share with you tonight. And the first principle around giving that I wanna share with you tonight is the principle of first. Say with me, first. first. Say it again, say first. first. There's a principle in scripture called the principle of first. There's many times where God speaks about things that needs to happen first. First priorities when it comes to specific areas of our lives. But there's two firsts 
sounds contradictory. Two firsts that I want to highlight to you tonight. Number one, Matthew 6, number 33. And this is where we've got to start. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all else, all other things will be added unto you. We cannot approach evenings like tonight to get some tips, some tricks, some um, secrets that I can just apply and try and twist the arm of God to bless me more. It doesn't work like that, friends. It's gonna be some stuff tonight that you will apply in your life that will change things because it's just how God's design work. But we cannot twist the arm of God. We've gotta understand that God is serious about the principle of first. Before He wants you to seek the monetary things in life, possessions, money, He wants you to seek His kingdom. And we often forget to say, and His righteousness above all else. And as we do, God will add all things unto you. I want to say this tonight. If God doesn't have your heart, you will never truly prosper. Can I say that again? If God doesn't have your heart, you will never truly prosper. There's many people that's rich, but they're not prospering. And can we just settle the matter? God wants you to prosper. I've had so many people say, yeah, you know, these pastors with their prosperity gospel. Have you heard that before? Can I just say that our gospel, the good news, is one that wants you to prosper. I've never heard about the gospel of lack, the gospel of a deficiency, the gospel of sorrows. No, it's the gospel which means it's good news. John writes, um, and he says in, in 3 John, he says, I wish that you will prosper in all things and be in good health as your soul prospers. It's God's desire that you will prosper. Don't get offended with the prosperity gospel. We're not preaching this message tonight to try and get money from you. We're preaching this message tonight so that you will see the prosperity of God in your life. Is that okay? That's what it's about. And the, the, the second verse that I wanna leave with you is this is just as what we seek God first, there's also a giving first principle that applies. And I've said this before, God doesn't want your money. Is, is that all right? God doesn't want your money. Whether you give to God or not, it's not gonna be like, oh goodness guys, I see Courtney didn't give his tithe this month. Um, okay guys, let's just make a plan in heaven. God doesn't need your money. Come on, we all know that the paving in, in heaven is gold. We're gonna be walking on gold. It's not a money problem in heaven. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. That's why He asks for your money. <laughs> uh, are you still all right? That's why He asks for your money. You know, Jesus didn't compare Himself to the God of uh, any other thing but the God of money there's no competition between him and the devil he didn't say choose between me and Satan he says you've got to choose between me and mammon because that's the one thing that steals the devotion of most men and women's hearts away from God 
is their love for money. Can I just say money in itself is not evil, friends. God has provided all things that we need for life and godliness. It's not the enemy that gave gold and um, finances. It's God's provision. But many people's hearts grow greedy for it. And that's where we see people falling into the love of money. But I want to say this. There's a principle of giving first. And, and tonight, if you would forgive me, I'm not going to dive into the detail of tithing. I've said it to our new members class many times before. There we teach it because it is a principle that we need to teach. But tithing is a given. It's not, it's not, a, it's some, it's not something that I want to debate about tonight. The first book of the Bible speaks about tithing. The last book of the Old Testament, tithing. First gospels in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about tithing. And right throughout, the principle of giving applies. Jesus himself said, do not neglect the tithe. Come on, friends, I, I don't want us to, to, to fall around here, yeah, but my, you know, this oak said that, and you know, my interpretation is that we can just look to the word and say, Jesus, highlight the truth to us. This is a tithing church. This is a tithing church. I have yet to meet one tither. I have yet to meet one tither that have said to me, Eric, I've been tithing for the last 10 years and I've just realized now it's actually, a, it's actually rubbish. You know, it doesn't work at all. I've yet to meet somebody like that. Every person that that's walks in obedience to that principle of God, God's word sees the blessing of God in his life. Why? Let me summarize in one sentence. Because the tithe connects you to God's economy. That's what it does. It's not debatable. God says, give to me what belongs to me. You can't say it's under the law. Abram tithed hundreds of years before the law was implemented. And Jesus himself says, I come to fulfill the Lord. And still, I request of you, do not withhold your tithe. Why? Because it connects you to kingdom economy. I'll never forget the first day I, I did new members class here, back in the day, Hackford Christian Church North. And the pastor that was preaching around tithing and giving, I was sitting in the class thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I can't afford to tithe. And in that moment, the guy said, if you're sitting here thinking, you can't afford to tithe, I just want to say to you, you can't afford not to tithe. <laughs> and I remember we walked out of that class and we're like, you know, how are we going to do that? I mean, we're barely making it. Now we've got to give it 10% to God. And we just said, God, we're going to trust you that you are the one that performs your word. He is a war marker van sy woord. And we stepped out and we trusted God and we have never looked back. And not once have we seen lack in our life. God has always been faithful. But the tithe is what connects you to His economy. So can we just settle that? The principle of first. Seek Him first. Give to Him first. If, if my tithe is, 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 is negotiable on what I've got left after I've paid all my bills, then my mindset is completely wrong in life. I give Him first what belongs to Him. And he says, if you do that, watch me if I will not open up the heavens over your life. So that all the other bills that you think you won't be able to pay, I will show you how supernaturally I will provide for you. And then God says, Malachi chapter number three, test me in this. It's not test the pastor, it's test God in the obedience to his word and see what God will do for you. Is that all right? Can we just summarize the tithe there? Okay, so I wanna to speak to you about giving. I wanna to speak to you about generosity. I wanna to speak to you about a life that is lived outward 
and not that is focused inward with greed and what I can gain out of life. There's a heart's attitude that's need, that needs to shift. Like I said, it's not a set of principles that I now need to apply to see financial breakthrough in my life. It's something that needs to shift in my heart. And as my heart shifts and I apply these principles, everything in my life will shift. So the next thing that I wanna mention to you is God has already made the provision. If you're taking notes, second point, God has already made the provision. Would you allow me just to step on some toes tonight? Even if it's yours? Okay. Many of our prayers that we pray as believers are prayed with sincere hearts, but they prayed wrong. And I, I say that with great humility because I often, I'm often reminded by the Holy Spirit, the way you're praying now, you're praying from the wrong place. You see, we would often ask God for things. And the reason I'm saying the way we pray is wrong is because technically we're asking Him for something that He's already done. If we ask God for healing, we're praying wrong. He's already given healing. It's already been made. It says, by His stripes I am healed. We were healed. I've got to understand how to align myself with the Word of God to enter that healing. Whether I'm receiving that or administering, praying that, imparting that to somebody else. When it comes to finances as well, many people are praying, God, please provide. Allow me to say tonight, friends, that God has already provided. God has already provided everything you need. And I'm not just talking about money now, but I am speaking about finances as well. Everything that you're praying for, everything that you trusted for, He's already given it. We don't know how to possess it. You know what blessed me as I, as I read through some scriptures this week? That even in Genesis chapter number two, when it speaks about how God created the Garden of Eden, it says that God created that garden so that the, the man that He created will have everything that he needs. That makes sense to us. I mean, that's why he gave the trees, the animals, not just so that we can have dominion and tend to it, but from that, it will nourish us as well. It gives us everything we need. And you know what it says in Genesis chapter number two? I can't remember what verse. It actually says, in the garden, God placed gold. Go read it. Genesis chapter number two. From the very beginning, God placed everything we need, every currency that we trade with today has already been placed in the ground the day that He made this earth. Come on. Everything that we need has already been given to us. This earth that we walk on carries all the substances that we need in monetary value to live a life of prosperity. Our problem is we don't know how to, to mine those riches. And I'm not just talking about physical mining. Please don't start some mining um, thing there at your house and grow a gadal 400 meter deep. Please don't do that. But we don't know how to mine what God has already given us. That's why so many people are walking in poverty. 
think about it, think about the minerals, the, the gold, the diamonds, platinum, whatever uh, precious stones in this earth. Do you think they, that we as the inhabitants of this earth should be poor? No, we shouldn't. It's because we are, are misadministrating what God has given us to have dominion over. That's why people are poor. And we have the power to change that. We have the power to start to mine God's treasures. And I'm gonna show you spiritually how we mine God's treasures so that we can live in abundance. Everybody still okay? You guys are having a good time there, man. I'm enjoying it as well. Everybody on stage is smiling. Some of, the, some of the people in the crowd are not. Okay, online, you still okay? So God has already given the provision. I wanna just mention the following. God has given a design, a blueprint for provision. You've heard me say this before, that everything that God has done in this earth has been done according to design. Gravity, I've used that example a hundred times. I feel like I need to get a new one. It's a design. Whether you like it, understand it, agree with it, it doesn't matter. If I leave this little doppiki, it's gonna fall. Why? Because there's a design called gravity. That's how it works. And everything that God has made, marriages, including things like finances, has been made according to God's design. It's like a river flowing. Nobody knows, or nobody has to understand how that river works be able to comprehend how many liters of water is flowing down per hour, the force of it. All you need to do is just jump in the river and you'll go down it. Is that all right? And many of us are not jumping in the river of God's finances. We're not jumping in the river of God's provision. We're standing next to that river trying to figure out how it's supposed to work. We're looking at other streams of income. We're looking to bank systems and the systems of this world to try and provide something that God is saying it's flowing freely. Just jump in the river. Come on, just jump in the river. I pray that you would in this night jump in the river. Just say, okay, God, I don't understand how this works. It, it doesn't make sense. Some of the things that he said, I don't understand, but I'm just gonna jump in the river. And as you jump in that river, you'll see, you'll just, you'll just, you'll go. There might be some bumps. Anybody that started to apply the principles of God's word when it comes to giving knows that sometimes there's some bumps, but just stay in the river and you will see how God takes you to wide open spaces in your life. It's really as easy as that, just jump in the river. Don't try and figure it out, don't try and comprehend everything. Don't try and negotiate about God, with God about everything. Just jump in there and say, God, let your word work in my life. Third thing that I wanna mention, and this is something that really blessed me this week, stewardship versus ownership. Say with me, stewardship versus ownership. The reason why many people are poor is because they have made themselves the owner instead of being the steward. They have made themselves the owner where they are supposed to be the steward. I know that you would never say something like this, but I've had the privilege to chat to many people and they would say stuff like, it's my money. Have you heard that? Of course, it won't be you. My money, my money, it's my money, it's my money, it's not. That's the problem. If you understand 
that God is the owner and you are just the steward, you've already conquered your battle against poverty. <laughs> I'm gonna show you something now. Listen to this. Uh, uh, uh. Luke chapter number 15, I'm gonna use two examples to try and just show what, I'm, uh, what I believe the Lord wants to, to reveal to you tonight. But one of the examples that I wanna use is Luke chapter number 15. I've preached about the prodigal son so many times in my life from so many different angles, never in my life around finances. But I read this this week and it was just like, wow, I've never seen that before. So listen to this, verse 11, it says, Luke 15. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So the father divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So this son was living in his father's house. He had everything he needed. But he said to his father, I want my inheritance. I wanna be the owner of what is still legally yours. Back in the days, that would have been like saying to your dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my portion, give me my inheritance. And the father gives it to him. And it says that he goes off to a foreign land and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You see, there's so much that God wants to entrust to us that it's impossible for us to truly understand how to be good owners of the kingdom of heaven. That's why we need to come from a place of stewardship and not ownership. If my approach is stewardship, I'll understand that He's entrusted things to me. That's where we often get confused. It's not yours, it's just yours to steward. I've heard many people say, I've got so many possessions. No, it's not yours. And they say, no, it is. It's my car, it's legally mine, I bought it. It's legally my house, I bought it. My question to you is, the day you die, whose house is that? It's not yours. Somebody else will get it. Hopefully your children and not the bank. Come on, when you die, what's gonna happen to your car? It's not yours. Your clothes, it's not yours. Money in your bank, it's not yours. You are just the steward of it. And as long as I try and be the owner of what I think I have, I'll always live in a deficit. I'll show you now. Even people that have much in their accounts, will continue to live in a deficit if you have an ownership mentality. Listen to this, verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And, the, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And listen to this, when I read this, it just so moved my heart, it says, and no one gave him anything. Are you still okay? And no one gave him anything. This was a son that lived in his father's house that had everything that he could ever imagine. Everything. He asks for it, becomes the owner of what he's supposed to steward, squanders everything because you yourself do not understand the capacity of what it means to truly own what has just been given to you to steward. He wastes everything and he finds himself sitting amongst the pigs. Gives us such a beautiful example of where the enemy will take you to a place where you've got absolutely nothing. And there the Bible says, no one gave him anything. 
no one gave him anything. Have you ever seen, friends, that there's some people, you might feel like, oh, pastor, that's me. It's like you never get anything. And then there's other people that just gets everything. It's like seven of you that's seen that before. Come on, even in church circles, be some people like, you know, that oak, he always gets blessed. People always gives him money. Then he gets a new car. Then he, somebody blesses him with shoes. Then this, then that. I never get anything. The question I want to ask you, if, 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 if God has to provide towards a steward or an owner, who will be provided for? God has got no obligation to gift anything to you if you make yourself the owner. Because the moment you make yourself owner, you make yourself provider. No, I'm not sure if I'm... Guys, play something. Let me, got to just... If you make yourself the owner, you make yourself the provider. Think with me how many people you might be watching online, sitting here, you've got a business. You think to yourself often, I don't know how we're gonna get through this month. And then you start making plans. We ask the money, the bank for money. I borrow from a neighbor. I ask my father. I check with my brother. I, I make plans. Why? Because in myself, I feel like I need to provide. Why? Because you've made yourself the owner. But if that business is a business that you've given to God as the owner and you're just the steward of that business, then when month end comes and it looks funny, you can just say, <laughs> Father. <laughs> Uh, I've got a friend, a very good friend. He's, he's got a very, very big business. I had the privilege many years ago to kneel with him on his factory floor and we surrendered that business to God. And I can tell you, he has faced the month ends that I think to myself, are, are you even still alive? I would be sweating blood like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane if I need that amount of finances in the next three hours. And then he will just be like, it's his business. And every time you'd say to me, Eric, I've done everything that I can do. I've done my part. It's up to God. And I can tell you until this day, it's been years that I've journeyed with him. Up to this day, there's not been one week, not one month where he's gone without. Every single time. Sometimes like three o'clock, the guys are standing there at the factory waiting for their money. It's like, where's the boss? and money would come into the account. But every single time God provides, why? Because He is not the owner anymore, God is. He's just the steward. And we, we have that approach to many things in my life. If I think I'm the owner of my wife, I will abuse her. I'm not the owner, I'm her husband. She's been given to me by God, but she was God's way before she was mine, even with my kids. That's why we dedicated them the day that they were born. We just said, God, you've given them to us. We give them back to you. I'll be the steward of this child, but I'm not the owner. They belong to God way before they belong to me. <laughs> Are you still there? Ownership and stewardship. And you've got to ask yourself tonight, if you look at your own finances and the way that you do finances, are you the owner or are you the steward? Have you taken that responsibility to make it work upon yourself? Or have you given your finances away? And you see, you can never give it away if you do not believe in the truth of God's word. 
Some of you will walk out of this place tonight and for the first time in your life, you will say, now I understand what it means to just surrender and say, God, it's yours, it's not mine anymore. And such freedom, such liberty will come upon you if you understand that God has never intended for you to carry the burden of finances. That's why He calls you children of God. Why? Because it's my responsibility as a father to provide for my children. I don't want to be a nai there late at night sitting there saying, Well, here, we here, please help us, Lord. It's not our responsibility. I'm the father. There's the mother. They just need to know that there will be provision. Yes, there's been nights where I have been like, here. But that's my responsibility as the father. It's his responsibility as our father to provide for his children. <laughs> and if, if, you can just, if you can just understand that truth, it will liberate you. You will live your life. And, and you know what, what happens the moment you understand that? Giving becomes easy. Because if this is my phone and God says, so this phone, I'll be like, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is my phone. I'm not saying that. But if I know that this is not mine, it's his. I'm just using it. And he says, well, give it. I'll be like, okay. And I'm talking out of experience in my life. There were seasons in my life where God would ask me to give things away and I'll be like, near here, that's a belief. Lord, please, not that. I'll be waiting for money to come in. And the moment it lands, God says, give it away. <laughs> Lord, please, you know how much I need this. And he'll always answer me in such an incredible way. He'll say something like, there's others that need it more. <laughs> I'll be like, God, I don't want to know that. I need this. I'll say, God, it's all I've got. God will say, it's all I want. <laughs> I don't want anything more than that. This is all I want. But knowing that he's the owner, I'm the steward, liberates you to live a life of, 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 of generosity towards other people. I'm telling you now, you cannot tell me that you understand this principle and be stingy. Stingy people, and you get them, and I'm not saying that you're stingy, I'm just saying there's many of them, but stingy people don't understand this principle. Stingy people are ownership people. Says that's why they've got to guard what they've got. I can't give it away, can't spend too much. They just hoard more and more and more and more. God's saying, No, I want you, your hand to be open, be a funnel that I can use to, to give to other people. Bless to be a blessing. The more you give, come on, isn't that what the Bible says? That we cannot outgive God. You receive something, God says, Give it away. You give it away, He gives you even more. I don't give just to get more. That's the principle. He binds himself to his word. And some of you are like, boss, I, I don't know, I, I'm not seeing the breakthrough I'm seeing. I'm telling you now, it's because you're not giving. Forgive me if I'm offending you, but I'd love to offend you tonight in saying that. The reason why you're not seeing breakthrough in finances is because you are not giving. The more I give, the more God gives to me. That's how it worked. God will always fund his stewards. Okay, I asked you earlier, have you seen that there's many people, it's like God just gives to them, it's like they're just super blessed, man. They will constantly get stuff. You know why? Because God will always fund the people that he knows will be a funnel to others. 
Show me one of those people that receives from God like that, that just keeps everything to himself. No, every one of those people that constantly receive like that from God, it's the people that normally gives the most. So what does that mean? Just start giving, open up your hands, be generous towards people. Jy die meeste van ons, ons wil nie die karwag vijverand gee nie. Come on friends. That ook, watch your car. We can say, ja, but this and ja, but that. He has, he has, he's, 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 he's performed a duty, a service towards you. If you can't give that guy something, come on, how can we expect God to bless us? Jesus himself said, you can't, free translation, you can't just say to the poor, ach, God sê in jou, bid vir jou, sterte, and then walk away. That guy doesn't want to hear God seeing you. He wants to hear. He has something to eat. He's hungry. When Jesus said, Luke chapter number four, verse eight, in the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? Yes, we all love to quote. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and he sent me to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. But he's also sent you to take this message to the poor. That gives us the clue what they will need. Money. Oh, friends, am I still speaking to the right church here? God's not going to send you to the poor just to give them a song. He sends you to the poor because they need money. They need provision. And can I just say this tonight? If a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that owns everything with that kind of provision, what does He need to feed the poor? He needs us. He hasn't got a resource problem. He's got a people problem. <laughs> a very good friend of mine, very wealthy guy. Very, very, very wealthy. I can tell you a hundred stories from his life, but one of the things that he said to me, he said, Eric, God hasn't got a money, money problem, my friend. You wake up tomorrow morning with your dream car standing in your garage. He can do it. But he only gives to those that he knows will give to others. If I'm not going to be a river that supplies, then why will God give? Just so that I can hoard more for myself? No. We've got to live our lives towards other people. We've got to live our lives outward focus and not inward focus. That's His desire for our lives. Second example that I quickly want to use when it comes to ownership and stewardship. Are you all still okay? Just look at your neighbor quickly. Guys, are you still okay? All right. You all still okay? Everybody online still okay? Okay. Jesus, I think it's Matthew chapter number 25, if I remember correctly. Jesus tells the story of a man that called his, calls his servants. Please note, not owners, servants to himself, three of them. He gives five talents to the one, two to the others, and one to the last one. And he says, guys, I'll be back. Just gonna go watch the rugby and um, I'll see you um, not too long from now. And when he comes back, he says, um, please come and give an account of what I've given to you. And the guy that had five talents, he said, well, I've, I've, I've labored with them. I've put them to use. I've stewarded what you've given me. Here's five more. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He says, I've trusted you with little. Now I'll give you more. Guys with two, same thing. Here's two. I had two. I'll give you four. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. I've trusted you with little. I'll give you more. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Here comes the last guy. He says, Master, I know that you're a tough guy. Um, I'm afraid. And I just, I was afraid to lose this. And I just hid it in the ground. But thank God, I've still got it. Here's it back. 
<laughs> and, and most of us would be like, oh, okay, at least he didn't lose the money. I mean, he could have gambled or something like that. But Jesus says, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. If you know that I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that requires from you, then why would you hide that thing in the ground? You see, ownership does not just mean doing what I want with what I have. Ownership also means doing nothing with what I have. And many of us, no, let me rephrase, all of us have received something from God. And if you are doing nothing with what God has given you, and I'm talking about if your hand is not open towards others, and if you are not open in your, in your giving towards God, then you have made yourself the owner of what God has entrusted to you. And I don't wanna stand before God one day and hear Him say, you wicked servant. I want Him to say, well done, Eric. Everything that I've given to you, you have multiplied. You've given me more. sat with a guy many years ago, said to him, what's your dream? He says, I believe that God has called me to be a businessman for God. Back then he didn't look like a businessman. He's driving an old beat up car, had no money, but he had a dream. I said to him, what do you wanna do when God gives you all that money? He says, I wanna help families. I wanna provide for families. I wanna pay kids school fees. I wanna buy people groceries. I wanna sustain families. I said, well, what keeps you from starting? He says, well, I've got nothing. I said, well, why don't you start with what you've got? He says, I've got nothing. He says, no, well, you must have something. No, I've already got five rand. I said, why don't you start with five? What can I do with five? Well, five is something. And then next month, you trust God for 50. 50 will get you, well, back then it was half a bag of groceries. Nowadays, it's just a chocolate on your way out. Okay? That guy... I'm speaking under correction, currently sustains, I think three to four families every single month. He's very wealthy. He's got everything he needs. And he has everything he needs because he's looking towards the needs of others as well. Friends, you live a poor life if you live only focused on yourself. You live a rich life if you live focused on the needs of others. Can I just say this? Please listen well to me. The spirit of poverty is not not having enough. The spirit of poverty is never having enough. It's when it's always just about you. Get more money, buy a new car. Get more money, buy a new this. Get more money, buy a new this. It's all about you. If God increases your finances, why don't you up your giving before you up anything else? Drive the same car, but start giving more. <laughs> and you will see that as you put more seed in the ground, God's gonna increase you more and more and more. I'll speak to seed as I wrap up in a moment. Are everybody still okay? Fourth one that I wanna mention, I'm coming in for a slow landing. We all have received a different measure. Say with me, measure. And, and I'm actually gonna do injustice to touch on this because there's so much in this. 
But I want to say the following. Jesus sits, I think it's in Mark chapter um, 11 or 12, somewhere there. Jesus sits at the temple and he watches how people put money in the offering bag. You know, nowadays we're like, no, it's my money. You know, I just, you know, it's what I do with it. We're very weird when it comes to money. Think with me, back in the day, Jesus goes and he parks there at the offering box. It's like Jesus goes and stands there where Dion stands when everybody comes to give. And when you take out your card there to give, he's like, what are you giving? It'd be like, yeah, it's my money, it's my business. Hey, come on. But that's what Jesus did. He parks there at the offering box in the temple and he watches how people give. The Bible says there's many rich people that gave large amounts and then comes this little widow and she gives two little coins and she throws it in there. And Jesus says, says to his disciples, you see that woman? She's given more than everybody. And when we read that scripture, we always say, Jesus looks at the heart. No, he doesn't look at the heart. He looks at your measure. He looks at your measure because your measure is connected to your heart. What do I mean with measure? Friends, if you're a millionaire and you think you're doing God a favor by throwing a hundred rand in an offering box, you're not giving according to your measure. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, now I'll get it off. So, so let me explain it this way. So let's say this is a basket of seed and God gives me a thousand seeds. Okay? And now I just take one seed and I give that to God. And all of this, I eat it. Why? Because it's my seed. I do whatever I want to do with it. Buy myself some clothes, a car, spend it on this, spend it on that, do whatever I want to do. It's my seed. I'm the owner. I eat it. I've just taken one seed and I've put it in the ground. But if my measure is a thousand seeds, it means that I can put much more in the ground than just one seed. And the more I start to put in the ground, the more of the measure in me I give to God, the more He's able to increase me. Increase is based on your measure and the measure is on your equation, not on His. Oh, you didn't catch that. The measure is on your equation, not on His. God will not withhold anything from a man that's got an open hand. God put a principle, a design in place. We see it from the very, from the very beginning of Scripture. It speaks about seed time and harvest time. Jesus Himself spoke about sowing and reaping. It means whatever you plant, you will reap principle is this many people are walking in poverty because they're not planting enough seed and with that being said I just want to say the following and I say this with great humility many people believe that their tithe is the seed it's not remember what I said earlier your tithe connects you to the kingdom of heaven that's why we always speak about tithing and offering because your tithe belongs to God you can't call in a harvest on what's His. That's His. So don't think if you've given your tithe, you've sowed a seed. 
and you say harvest 30 60 100 fold thousand fold harvest it doesn't work like that there's a design it's like a farmer he doesn't plant any seed now he stands there at the, the, at the at the land and he lifts his hands and he prays he says potatoes come forth it sounds great spiritual allow me to submit you many people come out for prayer calls they position themselves at this altar finances come forth you've got no seed in the ground God cannot violate his design to, to answer your prayer if there's no seed in the ground you will have no harvest God will supply just enough to keep you alive because that's his grace towards you but if you want to see increase you must put seed in the ground can I just go somewhere else quickly God's been speaking about death to debt again a couple of years ago God was saying that quite a bit we saw a lot of debt being cancelled and in the last couple of weeks it's one of the things that we've heard God say quite a lot death to debt you can't stand here and be like amen God I claim it but you have got no seed in the ground and you go buy yourself something at Edgar's tomorrow. Do you think that God is, is, is foolish? Just because I've shouted it in church, my debt will be canceled. No, 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 there's an alignment to truth that needs to take place in my life. I've got to stop making debt, number one, and number two, I've got to start honoring His principles regarding giving. It's only as I honor His word that He's able to fulfill His word in my life. So we all have a measure. We all have a measure. And many of us, our measure is like we're tipping a waiter. And that's not even a generous tip. I've seen some people when that waiter come and I'm, Please, if you're doing that, I don't mean to offend you, but they work out that, that 10% like to the cent. It's like 100 rand and 41 cents. Just be generous. Change your mindset to some of those things. If that person has served you well, tip him well, man. Don't be limited to your 10% bracket. And many people, they see their tithe as like a 10% tip towards God. It's like, okay, God, here's your tithe, you know, give you your tithe. Don't pay God like an Edgar's account. Your tithe is not an Edgar's account. You bring your tithe, says the scripture. You say, God, you've given me everything I need. There's nothing that I, I don't have in you. Even though I'm not seeing it as yet, there's nothing I don't have. God, I give to you. I bring to you what is yours. <laughs> it's getting awfully quiet in this place. Online, are we still doing okay? Everybody's still all right? I give to God what belongs to Him. Last point that I want to leave with you is this. Giving delivers you from self. Jesus meets, worship team, won't you join us? Jesus, Jesus meets this rich uh, young ruler. And he, he comes to Jesus and, he, and long story short, you all know the story. He says, Jesus, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus, what must I do to live in this abundant life that the pastor has been preaching about tonight? And Jesus says to him, well, it's easy. Sell everything you have. 
And then you come and you follow me. And the Bible says it was a hard thing for that man to hear because he was very rich. And he said, I can't do that. And he went away. God, what do you want me to do with my finances? God, what do you want me to do different? You might sit here tonight saying, God, what, what do you want me to do? And it's easy. It goes something like this. Sell everything you have. And then come and follow me. Pastor, you want to sell my car and my house? Will you do that if God asks it of you? If you say yes, then you've already sold it in your heart. It's not about selling your material possessions. It's about giving your heart away. That it doesn't matter what God requires of you. God, you can have anything. Good friend of mine, I remember he bought himself a new car. He ordered it, specced it, personalized from Germany. The moment it arrived here in South Africa, he climbed in that car. Everybody was cheering him on at the, the, the dealership as he was driving his car out the dealership. Lord said to him, drive this car to that person's house and give it to him. He said, God, I've specced this thing. This is, I'll, I'll buy him a new one. This is, this is mine. God says, you've specced it so well. He, he, he will really love this. <laughs> and he did. He drove that car to that man's house and he gave him the keys. And he phoned his wife to come and pick him up. But that man has got no lack in his life, friends. And that's why. Because he has made up his mind to say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. I'm just the steward. And I tell you, God will not shame you. You cannot outgive God. Do you think that you can be a blessing to somebody else and God will let the righteous beg for bread? He actually says, the righteous will never beg for bread. You cannot outgive God. That's beautiful. I like that to us. You cannot outgive God. Friends, I want to close with this. Jesus is not after your money. He's got enough. This church is not after your money. I really mean it. Whether you give tonight or don't, it doesn't matter. This church will still flourish. God is blessing this house because we're a blessing to many other houses. Our hands are open towards people. That's why God just supplies all our needs. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. But He wants everything. You've heard me say that so many times this year from different angles. God wants everything. He wants your heart. He wants it. Peter goes out fishing I'm closing with this and he catches nothing you know the story Jesus says to him hey Peter throw your net on the other side throw it nice and deep hey? and he throws his net and, and what happens he catches so much fish that he himself can't fill his boat he needs to call other fishermen 
to come and help him catch that load of fish and drag that towards the shore. But what happens when, when that happens? What happens in that moment? The Bible says that Peter falls before Jesus on his knees and he says, Jesus, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He realizes in that moment, and remember that's not the first time that Peter met Jesus. But as Jesus provided for him, as he opened that floodgates of heaven, gave him a catch that will sustain him for the rest of his life, in that moment, Peter realized that he's nothing without God. Even with all that fish in his boat, it means absolutely nothing without Jesus. I wanna to say to you tonight, friends, doesn't matter how much money, money or how little money you have in your bank account, you have got nothing without Jesus. But I wanna to say to you tonight that Jesus will supply all your needs. This scripture of the scripture of the scripture where Jesus constantly reminds us that he'll give us everything we need. But all he wants from you is that complete surrender in your heart to say, Jesus, I give you everything. And whatever you want, God, it is yours. And I wonder if we can make that transaction tonight, friends. I wanna, I wanna say to you that you've gotta test God in this. And, and, and don't be overcome by heaviness, like, well, yada, what don't I know doing? So many times we've approached the saying, Jesus, we, it's like I'm teaching my daughter how to work with finances. God is teaching us how to grow. And I wish that some of the things that I shared with you tonight, somebody would have shared with me 20 years ago. It would have spared me a lot of heartache and poverty in my own life. And I can testify as I stand here of the Lord's goodness in our lives as well. Not because we're great people, just because we're honoring His Word and He honors His Word in our lives. And we've seen the goodness of God. We've never gone without. We've just seen His blessing and His favor upon our lives. But it's because we've made a decision to say, God, the very principles I'm preaching tonight, God, I choose to live in that. I choose to live in obedience to your word. So I want us to do, that's my terminology. You would know me if you've heard me preach before. I want us to do business with God tonight. Can we? Okay, I'm just gonna try this. Can we do business with God tonight? We, we cannot hear a word like this and then just say, amen. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it, was, it was a good word. Well, that's good. We can't do that. Jesus says the parable of the sower, some seeds fall uh, in good soil, some among the thorns and the thistles, some in shallow ground, some on the road, and the birds come and they pick it up and they fly away. That's what happens when I don't respond to the word of the Lord in my heart. It's like the word gets sown into my heart, but as I walk out of this place, the birds just come and they pick it up and it, it, it brings no transformation. It produces no harvest in my life. Harvest is only produced if I take the word of the Lord that I've received and I plant it in my heart. You know what happens to a seed when you plant it? It dies first, says the Bible, John 12 verse 24, and then it produces life from there. And some of us need to die to some of our own mindsets tonight. How we've been taught, how I think money is supposed to work, what I think God deserves from me and God not. We need to die to that. And if I can let myself, my opinions and the opinions of man, the wisdom of this world, if I can plant that, let that die in my life tonight, then God can produce a harvest in your life. 
God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in good health. God wants you to seize overflow in every area of your life. And tonight I want us to respond to that word. Is that okay? So what I want us to do, I don't actually know how we're gonna do this. I just, I said to God earlier, I just feel like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and do something on behalf of God for the next couple of minutes. I'm gonna ask the worship team to just flow in a song of worship. I'm gonna ask some of our ushers, if you would man our tables, if you're watching online, I'm just gonna have the guys put out giving details at the bottom. And I want us to enter into a time of giving. But we're not just gonna do giving quick, quick, and then we back and we wrap up the service. I want us just to linger here for a moment. Because I feel like some of us need to, need to shift some things in our hearts. Before we put anything in that basket, there's something that I need to put in my heart first. Come on friends, are you, are you okay? Are you there? There's some of you, the Bible says, God Himself speaks, Malachi says, you've robbed me. Some of us, is, we've robbed God. We've kept from Him what is His. And the proper response tonight should be, God forgive me. And I wanna give you time to do that, just to say, God forgive me. Forgive me if I've robbed you. Forgive me from withholding what you, what is yours. Forgive me for stealing from myself that I'm not seeing the increase that you've promised me in your word. Forgive me for that. Some of us need to respond. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given with joy. Come on, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, be a cheerful giver. Maybe some of you need to just dance your way down to the offering basket tonight. Maybe some of you just need to, I'm serious. I really mean it. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Maybe some of you just, when you look at that usher standing there, just smile at them and be like, wait a minute. Because I've seen so many people, you know, they give like, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's, there it is, God. Fine, have it. Don't give like that. I mean it. Some of you might sit here tonight and you've never given. always been the owner why don't you make that shift tonight and become the steward take a couple of minutes just sit there lie kneel do whatever you want to do say God in this night I want to make that transaction I want to shift God I don't want to be the owner of my life anymore I don't want to be the owner of my finances anymore I want to be the steward and then when you've made that decision take your best seed and I'm not saying this once again to enrich the church I'm saying this for your sake take your best seed even if you need to go to your car and get a seed take your best seed some of you need to give sacrificially I wish we could add more time and just speak about that there's power in sacrificial giving something that costs you come on God gave his only begotten son God doesn't just say guys I love you he showed us how much he loves you and my giving is a response in love. I can't remember who said it, but somebody once said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you love somebody, you'll always give towards them. And I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I want you to just take time for the next couple of minutes, however long that takes. Please don't go home. Still got something that we need to do towards the end of the service because I want to pray for you very specifically for a release in areas of your life. But I want you to take a moment and just, just spend time with God. Make that exchange. And if you sow tonight, sow from a place of 
something that happened here, not here. Is that okay? I'm done. I'm just going to pray for you, Father. God, I know that you want to lead people into liberty tonight. You want to open up wide spaces for people tonight. That you want to give people hope tonight. Father, I know that you want to break the spirit of poverty over people tonight. I can see, Father, how the spirit of poverty has kept people bound, stuck in ways. Father, thank you for liberating people tonight. I ask that you would move mightily, Spirit of God, in the hearts of men and women. For those that have never given, God, may this be a night where they step into obedience to your word, not the word of a pastor, not the, 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 the time of giving in a church, but to your word. May people in this night, maybe for the first time, give cheerfully, Father. I thank you for that exchange. Thank you for people that will move from being an owner to a steward. Father, thank you that people in this night understand that they carry a measure. And according to the measure that they use, you give back to them in a measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Increase our measure, God, we pray. Father, I pray for every person as they respond to your word tonight. In prayer and in giving, God, I thank you that you do a supernatural work in their lives. Do what only you can do, God, I pray. In Jesus' name.